Hey there, Off The Grid listener. Let's take a moment to dream a little dream together. What if you didn't need to be perfect? You didn't need to start over. You didn't need to be small and quiet so you never caused harm. And you didn't need to do it alone or just try harder. What if instead you could get support at a nervous system level to weather whatever happens in your business? And you could learn trauma-informed best practices for your work that end cycles of freezing, fawning, or people-pleasing. What if you could be held in deep care as you practice honoring your boundaries and amending and accounting for inevitable harm? If any of these dreams are resonating, I want to invite you to join Foundations, a hybrid training container to strengthen your trauma-informed care and business practices taught by podcast sponsor and somatic trauma-informed practitioner, Jess Jackson. Foundations gathers May 17th through 19th with live trainings and a virtual portal with an actionable curriculum. Learn more and save your spot at the link in the show notes. Welcome to Off The Grid, a podcast for small business owners who want to leave social media without losing all their clients. Let's go off the grid. Okay. Let's go. Have you ever wished that you could have a successful business without social media? Well, you're in luck. I'm Amelia Ruby, writer, speaker, and founder of Softer Sounds Podcast Studio. On this show, I share stories, strategies, and experiments for growing your business with radical generosity and energetic sovereignty. Download the free Leaving Social Media Toolkit at softersounds.studio slash buy IG, that's B-Y-E-I-G, and join us in doing it all off the grid. Let's go off the grid. Okay. Let's go off the grid. Okay. I know that you really want to put your phone away. Yeah. Let's go off the grid. Hello and welcome to Off the Grid, a podcast about leaving social media without losing all your clients. I'm your host, Amelia Ruby. I am the founder of Softer Sounds, a feminist podcast studio for creative entrepreneurs. And I am also your fellow explorer on this journey of running a successful, sustainable business without a social media presence or with minimal social media presence or whatever non-algorithmically invested social media presence you'd like to have. You're currently listening to season two of Off the Grid. If you're joining us as this releases, we just came back from a little break. This season has been full of amazing conversations and ideas. And let me tell you, if you have loved this season's convos, then today's episode will not disappoint. I promise. Before I introduce our guest, I just want to remind you, as always, that this podcast is paired with an amazing free resource. The Leaving Social Media Toolkit includes the three tools that I use to leave social media and start my business and run my business without it. That's where you'll find our five-step plan for leaving any social platform, my list of 100 ways to share your work without social media, and a great Notion database for planning creative marketing experiments. You can get the toolkit at softersounds.studio slash buy IG and of course at the link in the show notes. 
Also, if you're joining us when this releases, it is late July and we are gearing up for the refresh in August. The refresh is my three workshop series for refreshing your relationship with marketing, mapping your business ecosystem, and charting an algorithm-free path forward. There's an amazing group signed up so far. I'm truly so excited about the folks joining us. So if you're enjoying Off the Grid, if you love season two, head to the show notes for all the info and you can join me live later this summer. Okay, let's get into today's episode. So today I am having a conversation with a podcaster and coach who I have admired from afar for years and today is with us on Off the Grid. Natalie Miller is a boldly feminist mindset coach who helps changemakers get fully grounded in their power. She coaches entrepreneurs, artists, and thought leaders to shift out of overperformance and into sustainable, potent, whole self-honoring generativity. You can tap into Natalie's magic through her Sunday letters, on her Mind Witchery podcast, and by using her revolutionary anti-planner, Time Witchery. Today, Natalie's here to talk about the shoulds that so many small business owners, myself included, have in our heads, and how taking our shoulds seriously might just be the magic that we need to finally release them. So welcome, Natalie. I'm so happy to have you here. I'm so excited to be here. And dare I say, Amelia, between your voice and my voice, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Don't you? Do people say all the time what a lovely voice you have? Because that's what I think when I listen to your podcast. (laughs) Yes, they always say, I love your voice. And then they say, and I love how you just laugh with yourself the whole time that you're talking. (laughs) So um, I agree. We're going to open a a really silky smooth portal here today. And I'm so excited for it. So I kind of want to start really basic because when I first heard the phrase, stop shooting yourself, Mm -hmm. like I couldn't even understand what was happening. I was like, a should. How do I think about this? What does that mean? Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering if maybe you can begin us there. Like, what is a should? And how might shoulds impact small business owners? Yeah. What even is a should? I think a should is an unexamined imperative. Mm. I think it's something that we are sort of just taking for granted that we need to do or ought to do or... I don't know. I like like it's just it's sort of it's this unexamined ought to. Mm-hmm. And I agree. I think a lot of people will say, oh, got to stop shooting on myself. Or, oh, that's a bunch of shoulds. And they kind of like brush it aside. But the thing about a should is that mm-hmm. it will not be brushed aside. <laughs> so true. <laughs> it will not be brushed aside. And this is important for small business owners, of course, because there are so very many things to do as you're building a business, right? Mm-hmm. There are all of the different kind of categories of activities. There are all the different possibilities Heaven knows there are all the different things people are telling you would be good, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. And so very quickly, you can have mountains, buckets, piles of shoulds all over the place. And it becomes actually debilitating because then what will you do? Yeah. I mean, I think of this 
entire podcast, like Off the Grid exists because of the should of you should be on social media mm-hmm. as a small business owner, as an artist, as a coach, as a creative, as anyone who wants to share your sacred or practical work in the world. Not that those are different. It can be sacred and practical. But if mm-hmm. you have something to share, you should be on social media is such mm-hmm. a strong narrative. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the tricky things about shoulds for me that I'd love to hear your thoughts on is the way that can be so challenging to disentangle if a should is something I came up with or something society came up with mm-hmm. and how to even start to be in conversation with a should. Mm-hmm. How do we recognize shoulds? And then maybe where do we go once we've recognized we're encountering one? Yes. Um, I actually have a practice for this. Um, oh, and this is, yes, this is something that I have done for years. I came up with it myself. I don't know, maybe at the very beginning of my coaching practice, actually. Here's what you do. You write down your shoulds. And you will find that if you really just do it free writing style, (laughs) you will have pages and pages and pages of I should floss more. I should file my quarterly tax return. I should I should be on social media. I should try out TikTok. Right. Should, should, should. So you write this this big list, maybe set a timer not to make yourself do it, but to like let yourself stop. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Cut yourself off. Cut yourself off. Right. And then you go through and you see one by one, could I substitute the word want Mm. for should? So instead of I should floss more regularly, could I say I want to floss more regularly? Mm -hmm. And the thing is, you can't just check this in your brain. You have to check it in your body. Mm -hmm. You got to really pause and remember what's a should it's an unexamined imperative so this is the examination Mm -hmm. okay if i substitute should for want and then in my body i imagine myself doing the thing right because in order to check in with the body we have to actually access the body so for me that's like okay i'm gonna close my eyes i'm gonna imagine myself flossing yeah i do want to do that I do want to do that. Yeah, you know what? I'm like, I'm tired at the end of the night, but I do like the feeling of flossing my teeth. It feels good. And I and I know that there's good reasons behind it, right? Mm-hmm. So when you go through one by one and you find the ones that are in your body wants, now they're not shoulds anymore. They're wants. And everything that is left over, the question is, where did this come from? Hmm. So what are some places that shoulds come from if they're not wants of our own, our own desires? I mean, I almost like can't help but turn the question like to both of us, right? Where do they come from? Like, where does, you are an expert here. So where does the should about social media come from? Do you think? Hmm. I think... For many of us, it started as a social should powered by FOMO. This mm-hmm. should, my friends are all here, so I should be here. Mm-hmm. And then 
I think actually what happens is that we produce this like desire to be there through FOMO, like our fear gives us this hook that we have to be there, we should be there. And we think that's a real desire to be there, but it's just a fear of not being there. Mm-hmm. And then we'd start in that space of being on social media in a social way. And then if you're a business owner, it comes out of, you know, any article you're going to read, marketing basics class you're going to take, other business owner you've seen. Most of the people I work with, they started their business after encountering a lot of other business owners on social media. So it's mm-hmm. like the playbook that you're witnessing. And then then you have the layer of the tech platforms themselves producing these shoulds, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Meta, Twitter, really enforcing that we should be in these spaces, pitching it to business owners specifically. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it goes on and on, but it's like very layered. It's we get the should within our social circles, we get the should within our professional circles, we get the should from mm. the platforms themselves, which take us takes us from like the personal level to the systemic level. Mm-hmm. Yes, Cosine can totally see all of that. There's one more that I'll add that I see, especially with my clients, because I work with people who are high performing, overperforming, really overperforming. And it's like for overperformers, there's also the, well, it's a challenge. And let me tell you what I do with challenges. I slay them. Right? I go, <laughs> I go Khaleesi and her dragons on challenges. Like I, uh-huh. you know, and so I think there's also that, like, you know, someone might feel discomfort in the face of social media and be like, I think I have a visibility block. And that's what I need to do is I need to like work on my visibility, which could be true. And it also just might be that you don't want to be be on Instagram. Maybe you like to kind of watch the dog reels. I do. I like to watch <laughs> dog reels. But maybe you don't want to actually like perform. Mm-hmm. This is a, it's like two sides of the same coin that I get from people a lot. Mm. Do I not want to be on social media? Or am I playing small, afraid of visibility? And it mm-hmm. seems like I will see people stay on social because they've had this narrative that's very close to a should Yeah. <laughs> of if I'm not present here, then I am holding myself back. I am getting in my own way. I am playing small, not it's a limiting belief almost. Yeah. I'm hiding. I'm yeah. hiding. It's proof that I'm hiding. Yeah. And so in that case, like as a coach, I would say, okay, so there's a difference between I should play big and I mm. should do that on social media, mm-hmm. right? You might sit with I should play big and you might feel this blend of like <gasps> excitement and also nervousness. And, you know, I would say, yeah, then that very well might be a, a real want or a real desire. But, um, mm. but you know, if you really think about sitting down to create a real or you really think about figuring out TikTok and you're like, mm-hmm. guts get all, 
then that's a sign that maybe that's not the path, right? I mean, I feel like, Amelia, what I love about your Leaving Social Media Toolkit and the very, the much praised, much vaunted 100 ways <laughs> to connect with people, <laughs> like like not three, everybody, there's 100 and counting yeah. ways yeah. that you can connect that have nothing to do with social media is that like, we get a bit myopic, don't we? That like mm-hmm. visibility equals social media when that's not the case at all, actually. Yes. It's the same way that having influence and being an influencer have completely been collapsed mm. in this moment in time that we are in, especially if you are someone who has ever been on social media, which is the majority of the planet at this point, population wise. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I, I, I often say to clients and people I encounter through off the grid that having influence is a very different thing than having an audience and a very different thing than being an influencer. And Mm -hmm. it's the same way that being visible and having a lot of followers are very different things as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very different. And, you know, I think there's something about the qualitative aspect of checking in with your body to see if you desire mm-hmm. the thing, right? Like, do you, de- do you truly want to do it? That means to me, there's juice there. There's Mm -hmm. energy there. There's magnetism there. There's something I write in my little anti-planner every day, almost every day. I write different things, but I write this almost every day. When I do what I love, I magnetize Mm -hmm. opportunity. When I do what, what I love, I magnetize the right people. Mm -hmm. to work with, to connect with, to co-create with, right? I mean, it really does come from when you are doing what you want, not what you should, but what you want. That is what makes you Mm -hmm. influential. That is what makes you visible, audible, maybe, instead of visible, if that's better for you, right? Yeah. Two different things are coming up for me thinking of how this might land with off-the-grid guests. And Mm -hmm. one is that I always want to invite people to write down and examine this should of I should be a business owner or I should be selling my work because often I will see folks get really frustrated that something's not performing or selling or earning what they want. And then when we go deeper, like you ended up on this online business path almost without your own consent. It's like a, it's like a relationship escalator, but just like from <laughs> yeah. I posted something on Instagram to now I'm supposed to have like a thriving business. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's a really helpful moment here for folks tuning in to like pause and check in with that. Even that should of like, I should run a business. Mm -hmm. And then once they've done that, if that does come up, if it becomes a want, I want to run my own business. I think the shoulds sneak in between that I want XYZ sort of business and here I am without that business and how am I going to get there? Mm. And something I say on this podcast a lot is like you do have to market 
your work. Like if you want to have a business, you have to do some marketing of some kind. I don't feel invested in what you choose. And I think that should be guided by your desires and your wants, not your shoulds. But at the Mm -hmm. same time, for some people, just marketing at all feels like the biggest should that they can't translate into a want. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering how, how can we meet folks in that mix of like, I want a business. I don't know how to get from here to there. Mm -hmm. Every marketing activity feels like a should social media or otherwise. Well, my coaching mind immediately goes to, okay, well then why do you want to do this? Mm -hmm. Like what's your why, right? I don't want to minimize like playing small, being afraid of being more visible, more audible. I mean, especially if you are a member of a group that all of the dominant systems would prefer stays small and quiet, like you're really up against it when you're trying to put yourself out there, right? Mm -hmm. Or I should say we are. We are really up against it when we're trying to be bigger and put ourselves out there. And so I I don't want to diminish that at all. Like that is, that's legit. That's a definite fear, right? That might be at play here. To really see though, do I want to do this? Do I want to sell my art, for example? Mm -hmm. Why? Why do you want to sell your art? Like what what is that about for you? What are the values that come to life mm. when you sell your art? Like, are you being revolutionary? Are you being generous? Are you bringing beauty into the world? Right? And if you if you can't find, I think, the values that are coming to life, if you don't have a why that is compelling to you, then... That's definitely a whole set of shoulds. And, you know, there's <laughs> like, open the next door, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was just thinking, <laughs> going back, this is a maybe a slight detour, but back out of business and back to your example of flossing, you know, I don't relish in flossing. I, in fact, don't enjoy the act of doing it. But my why that motivates it is that I want my own teeth in 30 years, 40 years. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and I think that that does that is a true deep want of mine. And yes. so taking care in that way, tending to my teeth by flossing mm-hmm. feels good in relationship to that desire, even if maybe at any given night, I'm like, do I want to floss right now? Maybe not. <laughs> Right. <laughs> but I, I, but I, you know, I'm holding this space for myself to be motivated by that why and yeah. those values of care and tending and loving myself in that way, even when that can feel hard or sticky or uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I think this does come up in marketing a lot, speaking to what you were saying about visibility. We can want to do something and it can be scary and uncomfortable and maybe even present to something we kind of don't want to do for those reasons. Mm -hmm. And I love that you've reconnected us then to the why. Mm -hmm. I'd love to take a step perhaps into the how, because I think something that comes up a lot when folks go to start a business is there's just a lot of things you don't know how to do. For instance, marketing. And you can get caught up in these sorts of best practices, which often look like five steps to get this lists, and get pretty far away from what your motivating why 
or what it is that you want without mm-hmm. even realizing it. So I'm wondering, how do we distinguish between a should and a want and a best practice when we're trying to learn something new? Mm-hmm. It's so funny that you talk about best practices because lately I've been thinking I don't really believe in them <laughs> just because. <laughs> and yeah, that's, I mean, okay, this is a little bit hyperbolic. I'm being polarizing, right? <laughs> no, mm-hmm, it's a little mm-hmm. hyperbolic, but like the thing about a best practice is always my question is for whom? Yes. Right? Like mm-hmm. like some people will say what you got to do is batch content whether it's newsletters or podcasts or social media posts. Batch, batch, batch. Mm-hmm. If Natalie Miller tries to batch anything, anything except possibly for homemade dog food, I do batch dog dog food <laughs> that I make because my spoiled ass dogs now get homemade in the instant pot dog food. That is the only thing I can batch. Anything that is creative, anything that is knowledge-based, I cannot batch it. It is mm-hmm. it is so stultifying for me. It feels terrible. Mm-hmm. Like I have a Sunday letter. I literally sit in my pretty sun-filled planty living room on Sunday morning and write it. Occasionally, I write it Saturday night on a plane if I'm headed somewhere. But like, really, like that it is me on Sunday. And that is the practice that works for me. And so that is a best practice. Now, I would not go out into the world and say, you know what you need to do? Have a day of the week. I mean, just think about this is really a best practice right here, Amelia. This is so ridiculous. If I said, what you need to do is choose a day of the week and then choose a place that you enjoy writing and then name your letter after the day of the week. Like that is often what a best practice sounds like. And it's just like, whoa, I get that that works for you. That does not necessarily work for me. Right. So I'll just kind of start there. Yeah. I think there's also like, this is really interesting. Um, I when I mentor brand new coaches who are trying to start businesses and they're wondering about marketing, like what do they do? Right? I will take it out of business and I will say, let's just imagine that you need to sell a piano. What are you going to do? And everybody's like dead quiet for thirty seconds, and then they start thinking about it, right? And like, Mm -hmm. oh, I could put it on Craigslist. I could put, I could send an email to my neighborhood list. I could contact a music school. I could contact piano teachers in the area. I could see if there's a used piano store, et cetera, right? All of a sudden, these people are so creative about thinking about where they're going to sell a piano they don't actually have. And it's like, You have that also for your business. You have that for Mm -hmm. your art, for your coaching. If you can kind of do the work to get the personal worthiness of the Mm -hmm. selling kind of taken care of, right? So this is a roundabout way of saying, I believe that we are all so creative. I believe that we all already know here are some things that work for me and here are some things that don't. Like, Amelia, if I ask you, what's your relationship to deadlines? What would you say? 
They work for me, but I don't need them to motivate me. Perfection, right? Like you Mm -hmm. already know that about yourself. Yeah. I think we know a lot about ourselves. I can take one look at the idea of batching content and be like, no, I know that's not going to fly. And then I experiment to kind of figure out what does work, actually. And that's a core part of, I guess, how I teach marketing through Off the Grid, which is not to provide any one way of marketing, but to ground us in experimenting in our practice. Mm-hmm. And I think experimentation can also be a way of examining shoulds and releasing shoulds by trying it. And that's something else I love about experiments is I like to ground them both in how does this feel mm-hmm. and does it get the result that you were hoping for? And for most people, when they start to do a social media experiment and look at it from that angle of, did it actually sell this thing I was doing? Or did it actually get me that relationship with that new audience that I wanted? Often it doesn't. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's that moment of being like, oh, this experiment isn't working. And I just keep doing one experiment with the exact same variables, controls, insert science words here over and over and over again. And it's not yielding a result. And you've just happened upon, I think, a third answer to, do I want to do this? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I don't know if I want to do it. Like, do I, do I really want to go on other people's podcasts? I mean, I'm not sure. So yeah, how do we figure it out? We do it, we try it, and we stay in touch with ourselves. Because I think, Another thing that can happen sometimes is we get very busy in small business building an apparatus for Mm. ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. Rather than just doing that kind of small experimentation to see, is this a thing I, I even enjoy? Hi, Off The Grid listeners, Amelia here interrupting our conversation today because I want to share with you one of my favorite marketing tools. When I left Instagram, I invited all of my followers to subscribe to my mailing list in order to keep in touch with me. And I promised to send them monthly-ish notes on a lot of the themes I used to talk about on social media. I've used many email service providers in my day, but my favorite of all of them is Flowdesk. Flowdesk is a gorgeous, easy to use email service provider. It helps you create beautiful, thoughtful emails, and even better, it's really set up to help you create easy to use landing pages so people can join your list and workflows so you can automate sending messages to folks who sign up through different pages. Flowdesk is how I run all of the welcome sequences and lead magnets at Softer Sounds. It's also how I run the Leaving Social Media Toolkit that you might have downloaded after listening to this podcast. I'm surely not sending those emails out myself manually. Flowdesk is doing all of that automatically. If you'd like to give Flowdesk a try, please use my affiliate link below in the show notes. You'll get a discount, I'll get a kickback, and we will all send more beautiful emails together. Again, check out the affiliate link in the show notes. For now, we're going to get back to this episode of Off the Grid. I really appreciated your reflection on best practices and that question of best for who. 
something that's arising for me around that is just examining and interrogating this idea of wanting the best to begin with. Mm. (laughs) And this sense of, I think that so often we're drawn toward these teachers who are normally just influencers who promise us the answers and the best way and the, the right way and the easy way to get success that is what we desire beyond our wildest dreams even. And that in itself is another should. And I've come to think of it as a way of like, it's almost like we're taking away the experience from ourselves. We're taking away our own authority on how we might do this or our own creative experiments around it. Mm-hmm. And something that you kind of came back to over and over again, talking about practices that work for you is like self-trust, inner authority. But I don't think we necessarily like arrive to our business with that, right? Like I do talk to a lot of business owners who who couldn't tell you what their relationship to deadlines is, who don't know sometimes if they even like making their work, let alone if they <laughs> like how they're marketing it. Mm. So how do we learn? This is a huge question, but how mm-hmm. do we even take a step toward cultivating that inner authority, trusting ourselves mm-hmm. in our businesses? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting, like, and obviously we work with different clients, so Mm -hmm. I don't know, but I think people know so much more about themselves than they realize if they Mm -hmm. just pause to, Mm -hmm. like, consider. So that's one thing. Another piece is this. If I were going to have a metaphor for trust, trust is like an ember. Mm. So trust is the glowing... Thing that's left over when you've burned something, right? So you set fire to something, you really brought a big burst of energy in. And listen, that could be, you know, going part-time instead of full-time in your day job. That could be leaving your wife. That could be um writing your book that could that could be renting a studio like there's any number of kind of okay I'm going to bet on myself I'm going to take a chance on myself and no matter what the outcome is when you bet on yourself the fire of that creates self-trust because Mm. if it worked then awesome. You know that you can trust your instincts. And if it didn't work, then awesome, because you know that things cannot go your way and you can still be okay. It could kind of work and also not work, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Which is the most likely scenario is that it does work except not in the way you thought, or it doesn't work except it kind of did give you these bonus sort of takeaways, right? And in that scenario, in the end, what you have still are these glowing embers. And fascinatingly, just like with a fire, once you have them, you can't just count on them. You have to keep burning shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you just have to keep, <laughs> you have to keep trying a new thing. You have, and and again, trying a new thing doesn't have to be achievement e right trying a new mm-hmm. thing could be i'm going to take the month of july off trying a new thing could be um 
I'm going to shut down this offer I don't enjoy delivering and start mm-hmm. something new, right? In my experience, the more willing you are to put bets on yourself into the fire, the more embers you have at your disposal, the more self-trust there is in there. Mm-hmm. Now, I will say that that's the way that it works for me, and I self-coach the fuck out of myself. <laughs> like I, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's very easy to get discouraged. It's very easy in the face of some things that kind of initially look like like failures to be like, okay, that's that's it. I got to shut it down. But mm-hmm. but with relentless appreciation of the outcomes, meaning like a higher. I love the word appreciation as like a higher valuing. Like I'm going to mm. give value to whatever comes out of this, whether it works mm-hmm. in the way I thought or not, I'm giving value to it. Um, with that appreciation also comes a self-appreciation. And we have more knowledge about ourselves. We have more knowledge about what works for us and what doesn't, right? So mm-hmm. it's just sudden like, just start. What do you, what do, you do? What, what do you advise people to do when they're in that place? I think that I have kind of two different practices, depend one very similar to yours and then a slightly different angle, depending on their personality. So sometimes with some people, I'm like, you just need to go do a bunch of shit and you need to kind of experiment and document that process and how it felt for yourself. Very similar to start mm-hmm. the fires, collect the embers. Mm-hmm. I think the other thing that I will advise people to do is a little more of, I call it like building an archive for cultivating Mm -hmm. self-trust. I personally, as an overachiever and with many friends who overachieve, I find we have this amnesia. We don't do that appreciation process of appreciating and raising the value of our successes. And instead, we've built these like museums of our failures, temples of our failures that we go to to judge and shame ourselves, not Mm. to worship our resilience or something like that. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I'll work with people on looking back at things that have gone well and kind of, I do think of it as like building a museum or like, we're going to do an exhibition of all of the things that you did do, all of the times you did share your work. And in those instances, I try to make it less about the response or the impact or like, how did it land with others? And just what is the thing that you did where you wanted something and you did that thing or you wanted it and you got it for yourself? It's really just looking back at those moments and then cultivating that saying yes to yourself practice. And that's Mm. been just really helpful for myself and in my personal life and in my business. And it's been really helpful too for a lot of my community of the folks who have done all the things but need to remember all the times that they did the thing and that it went, it went well, kind of having Mm. that, that archive to Mm -hmm. revisit Mm -hmm. and remember, just remembering that we can trust ourselves. Yeah, I love the idea, again, of trusting ourselves to be okay either way. Mm -hmm. And also, I think I was thinking as you were talking, like expanding our timelines a bit, Mm. because how do you know that didn't work? We're not done, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like Mm -hmm. there are all kinds, you know, like Van Gogh. Van Gogh's art wasn't 
acclaimed mm-hmm. until he was gone. So imagine if he stopped and was like, well, nobody's really buying this. I guess I'm just done now, right? Like there are so many examples of that. I also love the practice of going back to a time when we made a decision that really feels like a mistake and being like, okay, but what did I get out of it? Mm-hmm. Right? Not as like a kind of, um, you know, way of like frosting a shitty experience, right? Yeah. But really as like, no, that was rough, but what did you get? You got something. Mm-hmm. Appreciate, give more value to that and be curious about where that's going. Yeah. Just thinking of the timeline piece. Mm-hmm. I think you're so right that in our age of instant gratification, we think that the results of our actions are what happens immediately next, (laughs) when in fact, it is often what happens in a year or five years or 10 years Mm -hmm. or after your lifetime. Mm -hmm. And I love your Van Gogh example, but I was even thinking for myself, I had the tiniest moment of this the other day when I was talking to one of our community members in the Lifestyle Business League. And she told me, she's like, oh, I found out about you because you were on this podcast. That is a podcast episode interview I did mm-hmm. that got fewer than 100 downloads, which I know because it was with a client and I'm in their back end. And in my head, I was like, well, it's nice. I got to have that conversation, but it didn't really like have any sort of appreciable impact when in fact, it introduced me to this new person who's now a part of my community who who knows what future collaborations and things that that will bring and yield. But I had so quickly written it off. Yeah. And can I ask, like, was the interview fun? It was great. It was one of my favorites. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's the thing, right? I have a similar story. Right now I'm working with someone. Finally, I met her almost a decade ago when we were both attending some kind of like marketing event thing. And we met and we hit it off like, like, like good 10 years ago. Wow. Now she's an incredible client. Like where she is in her business is exactly my sweet spot of where I help. Like she's really wanting to make a major shift in her very successful business. And that is what I do. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, well, that worked out 10 years later. Mm -hmm. Like, like that, you know, and I could go back, I could be like, oh, I wasted all this money on this conference that, and I was like, no, actually what I loved about the conference was the people I met there, including this one, who's now my client. How amazing. Right. How amazing. Yeah. Yeah. For me, my business has become a place where I'm really able to slow down and really try to center in a more, I think of it as like a sacred slowness. I don't feel the pressure to have reactions to everything happening in the world. I don't feel the pressure to respond rapidly to most anything. And the reason I don't feel that is because I've really made the values clear. I've communicated, you know, it's a lot of boundary setting. It's a lot with myself, with others. It's a lot of choices that I've made. But I think that so many shoulds fall away when we just slow down. Mm. Even to what you said before, when we pause, 
we know so much more about ourselves. We can really stop ourselves in a quote unquote shoulding moment by just putting it down, just taking a pause, slowing. And that I think is such, has been really potent medicine for me in business specifically. It's just letting it be slow, letting it grow slowly, which is one of Softer Sound's guiding principles. Mm -hmm. That makes me think of, you know, if you've walked uphill for a really long time and then you shift and you start walking downhill, at first it's like, oh my gosh, this is so easy. But then after a while you're like, oh, you actually use different muscles to go (laughs) downhill. Like in our culture, we're walking uphill all the time, Mm -hmm. right? And so and so to slow down, it is building another muscle. Or in my case, like I was thinking, huh, I don't think about slowness as being the guiding value, but I think about um, freedom and flow. Like for me, I really have to be able to wake up and make lentil soup if that's what needs to happen. Like I need, I need to be able to do that in my business. And I've, mm-hmm. I've because business can be amazing, I've created a business where I get to do what I want. I have so much freedom to flow mm-hmm. with whatever's interesting to me, right? And it's like, on the one hand, doesn't that sound so easy? But no, it's actually a muscle that we've that we've built up. It's a muscle that we've built up, and it's a countercultural muscle too. Yeah, it absolutely is. I love that. Hmm feels expansive. I feel like I'm in the slow. My value is currently slowness because I'm a Capricorn rising. And I really like the antidote to my like intense overwork is I just right now need to slow down. Mm. But the why isn't slowness for the sake of slowness. It's slowness for the sake of as I build this muscle, Mm -hmm. I will have much more time, freedom, flexibility, flow, those are really kind of mm-hmm. within that. And I really see it as a mm, almost like an evolutionary journey, you know? Yeah. And it's for me, it just starts with slowing down. And eventually I'll, I'll get to these other, so I can have these other things that I desire. Mm. But it is, it's very countercultural, especially I would say in, in business to not feel like you have to jump to what the client needs or has asked for to not feel like you have to jump to what the institution expects immediately and to be willing to hold true even if you saying no means someone else says no which can be something that happens i've just recently went through an experience of a client saying we need our audio turned around in 48 hours and me saying I don't do that. And we parted ways. And that was okay for both Mm -hmm. of us. But it definitely, I felt the impulse to be like, that's okay, we can do that. I can, I can figure that out for you. And then I had to step back and be like, no, it's just counter to everything I'm trying to to build and, and do differently here. Yeah. And to review, right? Like if someone doesn't have this like lovely this muscle built that you've yeah. already got built, right? What do, you, what do you do in that moment? You pause and you go, okay, I'm feeling like I really should accommodate this client. And then you go into your body and you imagine yourself, you imagine yourself waiting for the audio, which come on is like definitely coming 36 <laughs> hours before not 48, right? Yeah. And then you imagine yourself sitting to edit and it's like you put yourself in that situation. Your body will tell you whether or not it's aligned. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, exactly. And I will say, you know, I have some other clients where on occasion, I'll get audio with 48 hour turnaround, and I'm happy to accommodate it. I'm like, great, let's do this. You know, also, there's flexibility. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the same thing can be a yes. In one context, a no in a different context, a yes mm-hmm. with one person, a no with a different person, a yes for me, but a no for you. You know, I actually think that is another aspect of should, that should is such a blanket, like it's, it's just not very nuanced at all, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think when it becomes like, I should hold a very strong boundary with my clients, it's like, oh, actually, that doesn't feel great either, right? What do I want to Mm -hmm. do. And what I love about checking in with what you want, even though it's not always straightforward, right? There are curated wants in there. There are like, (laughs) there are things you want to want all that, you know, it's, it it can be complicated, but when you really tune in to what you want, you will be in the present moment, especially when you check in with your body, your body can't live next week or two months ago. Like your body's right here. Mm -hmm. What does checking in with your body feel like what is like a yes or a want feel like for you for me mm. it's very like sacral it's very gut like mm. I feel it like in the root of me mm-hmm. I'm just wondering where is there like a location you feel it is it is it a different sort of thing mm. yeah as I've coached lots of different people through this right it is a little bit different for everybody but almost always the quality of it is like expansive and there's like there's the breath is moving there's a kind of a there's a a connectedness and an expansiveness and so you kind of get it in the gut I get it sort of like 360 degrees around my chest and back Mm. like my heart kind of like opens up generally speaking you can just kind of you know ask a person how does it feel in your body and there will almost always be centered light excited you know it's got that kind of vibe a no from body almost always has contraction in it Mm -hmm. less breath in it sometimes there's like a a disconnect or a dissociation where it's like oh I I actually don't feel it's harder to connect with my body or I'm I'm feeling like my limbs are separate from my core right so Mm. um, an easy way to kind of start to explore this for yourself is to just think about something that reliably you love to do and imagine yourself doing it and see what that feels like right so right now for me that would be like reading a novel by the pool in the summer fave love it so much (laughs) i imagine doing that and it's like oh yeah i get all of the expansive you know freedom vibes and then something you reliably do not like to do Mm, stand in line at the post office (laughs) right and it can be just basic little things like that but you can start to become a little more familiar with how your body communicates a yes and a no a want and a no thank you yeah i do think that practicing this like in the context of your day-to-day life and choices and things can be really helpful and necessary for then being able to translate it into what can often feel like these bigger, more elusive decisions we might be making in our creative practice or our business or relationships. When I can center in like the me, then I'm better able to connect with what I want in choices that are involving like lots of other people and factors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think what I'm taking away from this conversation is so much of releasing our shoulds is 
writing them down, being willing to and open to examining them, Mm -hmm. seeing what translates to a want or doesn't, and then also being attuned to those desires that arrive and learning, practicing saying yes when we can, Mm -hmm. such that we are tending those embers. We are starting those fires that create those embers of Mm self-trust. And that's how we create the the trust and the confidence to do business our own way, whether that is on social media or not, but in our own way as guided by our inner authority, not the external narratives or shoulds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even as that is a very self-centered practice and enterprise, you don't have to do it alone. Like, mm-hmm. A conversation like this can help you. A coach can help you. Joining a networking group of people who are all figuring out this stuff together can help you, right? Like, yes, it is inherently self-centered and you don't have to do it by all, all by yourself. So true. So Natalie, how can folks connect with you? I'm sure now that they've made it to this point in the conversation, they want more of you and your work. So how can they connect with you or go deeper? Yes. Well, that letter that I write every Sunday, you could get that. (laughs) It'll come on Sunday. Um, So that you can find on my website. And then you can also find your way to my podcast, Mind Witchery, on on my website as well. Yes, I love both of those things. I will just make a plug here that Natalie's newsletter is so enriching. And I just love that you really write it to like the reader. It reads just as a beautiful poem every week, which I love. Oh, And your podcast is full of spells, which this episode being called a spell is in that homage to that. Oh, I love it. (laughs) Yeah, I just, I guess I'm just co-signing that your letters and your podcast are fantastic and folks should go listen and subscribe if they are not already. Natalie, is there any parting words or wisdom that you'd like to share with folks before we sign off from this episode? Mm. This will take time to believe fully, but when you do what you want to do, you will always be headed in the right direction. I promise. There will be scenic routes. There will be moments where your car breaks down on the side of the road. But when you are headed in the direction of what you want, you are always going the right way. Beautiful. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, listeners, for joining us in examining and releasing our shoulds today. All the links are in the show notes as always. And until next time. We will see you off the grid. Thanks for listening to Off the Grid. Find links and resources in the show notes. And don't forget to grab your free Leaving Social Media Toolkit at softersounds.studio slash B-Y-E-I-G. This podcast is a Softer Sounds production. Our music is by Melissa Caitlin Carter, and our logo is by Natelier Studio. If you'd like to make a podcast of your own, we'd love to help. Find more about our services at softersounds.studio. Until next time, we'll see you off the grid. Let's go off the grid. Okay. Let's go off the grid. Okay. I know that you really want.